Hello and welcome to Unprofessional Engineering. My name is James. And you got Luke. Luke, today we're continuing our series on companies that built the world, this time focusing on Lockheed Martin. Or is it companies that dominated the world? Whoa. And the, the voice did it. <laughs> you um, want to know you want to know why I say that? I we do. Did, so whenever we did the Raptor a few mm-hmm. weeks back, like had this F-22. really cool tech, yeah, digital dominant ready. That's right. right. So so here is Lockheed Martin, the company that makes the F twenty makes the Raptor. Here's their kind of like tagline. 21st century security, all dominant deterrence now and for the future needs of those who serve. And I can't say it without making that face like I'm angry. You you did look angry. Yeah. Like, Boy, I can't believe that Fiverr account never took off for you. My goodness. <laughs> and just a quick fun fact. So I Google Lockheed Martin and you and I are in Pittsburgh, right? And if you Google Lockheed Martin right now, apparently Lockheed Martin is in Blairsville next to a Dunkin' Donuts on Route 22. Oh, well, there you go. You can get your coffee and your, uh, your Raptor. Your Raptor. Yeah, not I'm a problem. Guessing, I'm guessing it's like a, like a local office or yeah. some kind of service facility or something like that out in Blair. I was like, 22. I was in like, Blairsville. I've driven past that out in Blairsville. Yeah, and to not even notice it. Huh. Fun fact for you, Luke. Shoot. Lockheed Martin only got started back in 1995. So this is going to be a short episode. Very short episode. Yeah. Well, of course, that's not where my history is going to begin. I am going to start speaking about the Lockheed Corporation, which dates back to 1912 when Alan... We're going to go with Lockheed, but it's spelled... L-O-U-G-H-E-A-D. Fun fact, there's some back and forth purchasing of the companies. He mm-hmm. changed the spelling to match the uh, pronunciation. pronunciation. So, yeah. yeah. How bad is that? Like you're like, I mean, first off, no one's going to pronounce your name that yeah. way, but you have to change your company name just so it sounds right. That's... And imagine if it was like, if it, it looked like Loghead. I know. It, it just doesn't Log sound head. Log head. <laughs> I wonder if that's what we were used to, though. Maybe it would. I don't know. So him and his brother Malcolm started this thing with their buddy Max Mamlock, uh, who was at the time the head of the Alco Cab Company, which is weird. But remember, this is 1912, like cab, right? Like cab, like, like C-A-B. Yellow, like yellow cab company. That's the one. Also, when's the last time you were in a cab? It's Instead of like an Uber time. or something. Yeah. Okay, founded the Alco Hydro Aeroplane Company, makes more sense, um, and built the Loghead, I'm going to go with Loghead Brothers float plane design, the Model G. After a year of the company being dormant, uh, in 1915, the brothers uh, bought out the interest from the other investors to acquire control of the Model G altogether and successfully flew paying passengers, which is important, uh, to the Panama Pacific Expo in San Francisco that year. Clearly, you and I didn't cut and paste from the exact same. Well, I actually wrote the page that this is on. Oh. So you probably you just copied library. my went to work. The library did the research and wrote the page that I was pulling from is what you're saying. Yes, that's exactly right. Because I did this well before, beforehand. Yes. (laughs) 
Luke, you make it sound like uh, we don't know what we're doing or what so we're doing. So my guess about. is your next words might be sales were poor. And in 1921, the company was liquidated. I was not going to say that. I was going to say using their profits the cap and capital from the investors, the brothers organized the Lockheed Aircraft Manufacturing Company in 1916. And then my next lines were going to be sales, sales were, poor, were poor and then 1921. <laughs> I hate you, Luke. Do you want to talk about 1926? Yeah, so in 1926, good old <laughs> Alan Lockheed uh, returned to aviation and established the Lockheed Aircraft Company. And this is where that little fun fact about changing yep. the spelling uh, happened. And um, the... Uh, did I get anything else after that? They no, developed no, no. Yeah. the Vega, the four-passenger yeah. wooden monoplane could you imagine being in a wooden plane no like, absolutely not that's just i like, don't like being in metal planes now i know that just doesn't seem right oh my goodness fun fact the highly successful aircraft the monoplane um achieved several records including completion of the first successful yep. solo flight around the world by wiley post in 1933 good old wiley good old <laughs> No? Oh, uh, yeah. Uh, uh, moving on. In 29, uh, Keeler, who is uh, the president and majority shareholder at the time, sold the company to the Detroit Aircraft Corporation. Uh, Lockheed itself remained profitable during the Great Depression, but the rest of the business wasn't doing so well. Mm -hmm. So in 32, uh, Detroit Aircraft was liquidated. Short time later, Robert Ellsworth Gross acquired Lockheed's asset for 40 grand and revived the aircraft company. Could you imagine, imagine that an aircraft company, yeah, for forty thousand. What's that all about? And, and we can't even just, get a sponsor. Just knowing what, like, the backlog alone is for Lockheed Martin right now. They bought it for forty right? k. Quite possibly the best investment, like, ever in business. Like oh my 40K? goodness! Right. My so, goodness. Luke, time for my favorite thing ever: military. Wartime connections. Love That's wartime right. Connections. Oh, my goodness. So with World War II showing up, Lockheed began its still very, very tight connection with the U.S. government and the military uh, by producing twin engine, twin tail boom P-38 lightning fighter interceptors. So these are the really cool looking ones. Like when you think of like like World War II aircraft. Like dog like, fights? Yeah, it had, no, not dog fights. Dog oh. fights is like the single engine in the center. But these, oh, have, okay. the, 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 these are twin engine, but they have really long rotors or really long um, uh, fuselage beside the motors with a long centerpiece. You know, they, they, they they have a picture of like a pinup girl painted on the side of it. Like like it's literally it's it's literally like when you think of World War II aircraft, like this is the plane you think of. Yeah, and uh, pinups. Uh. In 1943, uh, under the leadership of the aircraft engineer and designer. Clarence L. Johnson, who went by Kelly, apparently Kelly is better than Clarence, Lockheed established a highly secret section, Advanced Development Projects, the ADP. ADP is different now. Isn't that a company? Yeah, they do checking. Um, oh, yeah. Like they never give me enough money. Payroll. Uh, they designed a fighter around the British D. 
Avland jet engine. Nailed Did it. I get that? Thank yeah. you. The result was the P-80 shooting star. Pew, pew. I'm going to be honest. The shooting star, not nearly as cool named as the Raptor, yeah. right? Uh, it was the first American jet aircraft to enter operational service in 1945, though. I love how fast these suckers got turned around. If you go check out our F-22 episode, it's like... I don't know. It took like 30 years to even roll one out. And they're still going. Yeah. (laughs) Seriously, they seemed like they did. My my guess is there's there's probably like zero safety protocols and testing and all that. And they weren't weren't manufacturing in the volume that they're doing now. But I'm sure. So after the war, ADP, popularly known as skunk works which i i'm guessing we've all heard about and haven't mm-hmm. how have we not just done an episode on skunk works alone? i think we probably owe them one yeah uh became an american aerospace industry leading military aircraft developer uh they produced things like the f-104 what was that one the um the starfighter mm-hmm. uh the u-2 bomber the That's high altitude spy big, plane big big one and then also check out our episode on the sr-71 blackbird, blackbird. back in 64 um that's a really good episode check that one out uh and then in 77 adp flew the first stealth aircraft an experimental prototype named the have blue which was designed to be almost invisible to radar uh and this ended up being the f-117 nighthawk which is a sweet name that's a good we're getting to sweet names here in the 70s but uh I guess a fun fact, since we mentioned it in the F-22 episode, Luke, the radar signature of the F-22 itself was the size of a bumblebee or something, right? That was crazy, Very whatever small. technology they use. So I'm going to pause here. I think I skip ahead here a little bit. Oh, no, I get into the 50s again. That's weird. Um, but anyways, let's take a break for a word from our sponsor. I have to assume it's the the Lockheed Martin out in Blairsville next to the Duncan. Maybe it's actually the... Duncan, which makes it really cool. Uh, no, there's no sponsor, but we have something uh, way better. Shout and that's outs. the shout outs. That's right. Um, first one from an individual named Two Guy. Um, I work for I work at a company for industrial and medical water treatment and is specialized on reverse osmosis. So when I saw that you got an episode on water filtration, I thought to myself, quote, hey, this could be interesting. I, I read this whole time just waiting uh, for the shoe to drop. Like, well, it wasn't. Yep, we got um, it all wrong. I didn't know a lot about the history of water filtration, so that was pretty interesting. But one thing you said wasn't quite right. I'm sure it was more than one. Um, and James. I wouldn't be an engineer if I didn't correct you. Also not right. Um, I don't know if somebody already told you, but ultrafiltration and reverse osmosis are not the same thing, Luke. I don't remember making that statement. Neither do I, nor do I even remember what ultrafiltration is. But one thing I know for sure is it, it is not the same as reverse osmosis. I know that now. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. As you can see on the picture attached, he attached a picture. Nice. Nobody else can see it, just me. Reverse osmosis has a far higher separation performance than the ultrafiltration, so that sounds better. Uh, There's nothing to complain about the rest, though, so I would say you guys did a pretty decent job. Thank you for making my way to work bearable. I will take pretty decent every day of the week. That's what I said in my email. I was like, well, we're only shooting for pretty decent, so I think we did our job. So thank you for writing in. I appreciate it. Um, And we do really want to get things right, so thanks for correcting us. 
Next is John B who wrote in. Hi, it's John B from Mansfield Woodhouse, Nottinghamshire, Robin Hood area. Nice. Yeah. I love how England names Mansfield Woodhouse, Nottinghamshire. Like, where are you what? from? I love yeah. that. Yeah, I absolutely love the show. Thank you, John B. Would you consider an episode about a company that fascinates me, Reaction Engines, based in the UK, but with US State Department funding and a US base? There are Their Sabre Engines has a pre-cooler that can reduce the temperature of a Mach 5 flight down to negligible levels and crazy speeds to allow for single stage to orbit flight 1000 degrees C in less than 120th of a second. I feel like you were just speaking a different sure. language for a couple of seconds there. So yes. Yeah. If you want us to talk about something that you know way more than we know about, yeah, well, I'm in. Um, if any of you have any suggestions as to episodes we should do corrections on episodes where we got things wrong if you just want to say that luke should start doing his fiverr account to make some extra money on the side anything like that go ahead and email us at unprofessionalengineering at gmail.com and don't forget to subscribe like share we love the reviews check out the unprofessional engineering store at unprofessionalengineering.com and as always you can tell your smart devices to play the unprofessional engineering podcast anytime and go buy junk at our store i want to get rich yes oh and if you don't follow us on linkedin you should do that i've been trying to share more engineering relevant stuff I, jobs and other things for all of us that don't have a job um go ahead and and hop on there on the LinkedIn's and make us look like we know what we're doing. All right, Luke, back to 1955. Are you ready? The old 50s. The old, what were they? The uh, the storming, screaming, something 50s. I have no swinging, idea. swinging 50s? Swing I don't know. Uh, 1955, production version of the C 130 Hercules. I'm good with that name. Uh, cool. It was a tactical troop and cargo transport plane, made its maiden flight. Uh, that was great. Lockheed also built the world's first turbojet airlifter, the C-141 Starlifter, eh. uh, flown in 63, and the C-5 Galaxy military cargo plane in 1968. In the late 50s, the company developed the four turboprop P-3 Orion and landed a land-based anti-submarine patrol aircraft designed from an airliner design. And I, I just kind of throw these ones out there because I just think it's amazing. They have this many different designs that are impactful going on and being pumped out at crazy speeds for designing to actual finishing the product. Uh, do you have anything you wanted to chime in here with, Luke? Are you good? So we are, are you going to talk separately about the Martin Marietta Corporation? Um, I mean, you can if you want. I think I had it in here somewhere, but... So I think I'll, I kind of skipped a lot of it. I'll do a little bit. So Martin okay. Marietta, the the Lockheed, the Martin in Lockheed Martin, mm -hmm. uh, began. Who got back, to spell his name properly? He did. He didn't Anyways. have to change the way he spelled his name. Yeah. Uh, began back in 1912 when American aviator pioneer Glenn L. Martin organized the company to manufacture and sell airplanes. We did not um, steal the same information. This is great. Four years after that. 
the Wright Company, as in the Wright Brothers, uh, acquired the enterprise to form the the Wright Martin Aircraft Company. Uh, The Wright Company had been reformed, and in 1915, after Orville Wright sold his sagging business um, to some Wall Street investors. um, Yeah. So, uh, and then not a lot happened with Martin Marriott. They they weren't very notable, but a couple of things things they did do from like 1917 to 1961, the two big planes that they were involved in was the MB-1 bomber, um, which was used in multiple um, wars, uh, and the B-26 Marauder. And then- That's a good name. That's, that's a really good name, Marauder. The, but the coolest thing is uh, kind of where they started to specialize back in the 60s. So in 1960, Martin's last airplane rolled off of the production line and the company devoted itself to missiles and space launchers. Hence, they brought a lot of expertise in that area to the the combination of Lockheed and Martin. Yeah. If you haven't already, go check out our episode on the Wright Brothers. You won't regret it. Uh, that was a good one. Was it? Hmm. Eh, it was okay. Uh, let's see here. Oh, so we've been talking about military planes, things of that ilk. Uh they also, Lockheed also got involved in the civilian side of things after the war. So just like all wartime things, right? The war ends, all of a sudden the government doesn't need all of that money going to these companies. Uh, so they got into the civilian side of things. The famous triple-tailed constellation came into play in the 1946. The super constellation comes up five years later. And the first ever business jet... The four-engine Jetstar was something that they made in 1957. Uh, The TriStar began development in 66, took its first flight in 70. And to power the TriStar, Lockheed selected Rolls-Royce turbofan. In 71, however, several poor business decisions, Luke, uh, related to this plane forced, or to this engine, Uh, forced Rolls-Royce into bankruptcy, Lockheed considered it too costly to modify the TriStar for a different engine. So I guess we're getting closer to those times where it takes 30 years to build a plane. Uh, Too costly to find a new engine, and it too was on the verge of bankruptcy. So times weren't great. So why is that? Well, again, military contracts from Vietnam were drying up. As always, war, you know, was this the boom, and then, you know, they fell back down. The boom and the uh, bust. That's right, and the bust. And its manufacturer was only saved through the U.S. government and the British government coming together together with massive loans, basically nationalizing Rolls-Royce. Uh, Lockheed then lagged behind, and like you mentioned, so Lockheed lagged real far behind in aerospace uh, and and entering the missile development side of things, missile systems, all of that stuff in the 50s. They started something they called Lockheed Missiles and Space Company, and they were uh, really heavily uh, focused and responsible for a lot of the U.S. Navy submarine-launched ballistic missiles, which I find particularly interesting, the Polaris, the Poseidon, and the Trident, and then the Trident II in 1990. So I think we probably all have heard lots about those. Um, if you were around for Desert Storm, I believe they talked a lot about the Trident and Trident II at those times. 
Uh, they also in the 70s and 80s were super responsible for the construction and systems integrations of the Hubble Space Telescope. And then in the early 90s, and we'll have to take a quick break right after this, uh, in the early 90s, Lockheed expanded into the military aircraft with the acquisitions of General Dynamics, whose major product was the F-16 fighter. Uh, they had lots of contracts for several NATO companies to produce F-16s. And then in 91, the Air Force chose to design, um, or, or they chose their design over uh, some other competition, but this was work done with Lockheed, Boeing, and General Dynamics. And this was where the F-22 Raptor came into play, uh, which first flew in 1997. I'm not going to talk about that at all, since we have a whole episode dedicated to it. So go check out our F-22 Raptor episode. Now I'm tired. I don't want to talk anymore. So right now, Luke, we're going to take a break for this week's Luke's Rant. So the rant is changing a little bit. Oh, so if, if if you go to Lockheed Martin's website and you pick on all products, it's 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 like they're selling like widgets or something. Like I'm going to buy a plane off the shelf. It, it's it's literally like just scrolling and scrolling of all these different like individual divisions and specialities and all this kind of stuff. And I'm scrolling through some of these and some of them are really like catching my eye. And uh, I, I, I want to play a game, and, and it's you know it's it's probably one of those things where um, you probably know the answer, but I, I want to play. It I anyway. hope so. so. So, is this a real division or operation or product within Lockheed Martin? And your answer has to be yes or no, and then I'll I'll, I'll kind of give a, a I'm quick not description going to, of it. I'm not going to look at my screen so I don't get accused of cheating, and I can't use your eyes as a as a giveaway, okay? You ready? Yeah. Diamond shield. Yeah. Is it? Yes. Yes, diamond okay. shield is a multi-domain battle space ma management tool. Like diamond the shield feels like something they would like line my truck bed with or something. <laughs> exactly. So, I mean, I, they don't go into a lot of detail into like exactly what everything is, but like the pictures they have on the website looks like stuff you see in like, remember the movie Avatar where they were showing like where the natives lived and it was like a, it was like a digital display, but it was a dome and you could like pan around on the table. Mm -hmm. That's what this diamond shield looks like. Like apparently mm -hmm. it, it's, it's all about coordination in a single location for, you know, whatever the the battle space they're in um but uh yeah so it's called diamond shield um next one don't look at your screen darkola who darkola dark cola darkola <laughs> i'm gonna go with no that's so a terrible name it is uh deep reinforcement air combat learning assessment <laughs> Ugh. And okay. it's probably Daracola, D-A-R-A. Uh, oh, well, if you would have told me that, I would have guessed, yes. Said the A. Yeah. Um, yeah, so uh, so apparently Daracola um, is a deep reinforcement air combat learning assessment tool um, that they use or people purchase. I mean, it, it, it says all products. It's so... I have one downstairs. That's fine. Yeah, I got two of them. Um <laughs> Okay, uh, next one. Um, where was it? Um, 
do you think we sell F-16s to Bulgaria? Yes. We, we do. There's an F-16 Bulgaria project. Apparently, since the F-16 is basically the Yugo of jet fighters nowadays. It seems like it, right? Since we have the Raptor. Like, they still, I guess, maintain or produce or operate or sell F-16s to Bulgaria of all so, countries. Yeah, I don't want to spoil our whole episode, but again, check out the F-22 one. They did like a bunch of tests and simulations of the F-22 versus the F-16, and it came out on top something like 1181 times to zero times it got shut down. Yeah. So obviously, yeah, we're going to go ahead and sell these F-16s to these fairly friendly countries when we know there's absolutely no concern of you know them overtaking a f-22 okay last one and this and this is kind of just leading into other things last one the cyber kill chain i sure hope that's a thing it is a thing <laughs> uh development uh developed by uh lockheed martin cyber kill chain framework is a part of the intelligence driven defense model for identification and prevention of cyber intrusion activity the model identifies the adversaries the, the model identifies what the adversaries must complete in order to achieve their objectives. And I'm just going to, I'm going to read through the infographic really quick here. Reconnaissance, weaponization, delivery, exploitation, installation, command and control, Whoa. actions on objectives. Wow. So apparently they really got into cyber in the last couple of years. There's a whole bunch of cyber stuff um, going on. Changing so. with the times, Luke. Changing with the times. All right, so I only have a few more things here to add on. So early 90s, I do have something about Marcus Mariota or whatever that company's name was, the other half, uh, made two big acquisitions, again, in the space-related areas. In 93, they bought up General Electric's aerospace business. Uh, and then the next year, they bought the space systems division of General Dynamics. Uh, and then in 95, Lockheed and uh, Martin Marietta the two companies came together and formed Lockheed Martin, and it was wonderful, all good stuff, um, blah, 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 F-22. In 98, Lockheed Martin abandoned, this is interesting, they abandoned their plan for a $8.3 billion merger with Northrop Grumman on July 16th of 98 due to government concerns over potential strength of the new group. Lockheed Northrop would have had control of 25% of the Department of Pre Defense's procurement budget. 25% of the Department of Defense's budget. That's, that's not a, so. That's a lot. Yeah. So I could see why they would have concerns yeah. over that. Um, then there were a bunch of acquisitions and mergers and junk like that over the next 20 years. It was boring to me, so I quit looking at it. Okay, I want to go through their business units, and then I want to talk about just the details of where the company is nowadays. So I they that. they essentially have one, two, three, uh, four major business units. The first business unit is Lockheed Martin Aeronautics. Okay, uh, this is the home of Skunk Works, and they deliver uh, super innovative solutions for obviously aeronautical you know type things. So this is where. <laughs> This is where like the F-35, 22, the F-16, the, 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 the Raptor, all that stuff comes out of uh, Lockheed Martin Aeronautics. 
uh, Lockheed Martin Missile Missile and Fire Control, or MFC, is one of Lockheed Martin's business areas, and they focus specifically on, as you can imagine, missile fire control, tracking systems, basically anything that goes pew, 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 or pew, 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 essentially. That's what I thought, yeah. Yeah, basically things that shoot and blow up is kind of what they uh, they take care of it at a high level. Uh, the next one is Rotary and Mission Systems. Uh, this is over 1,000 different programs that include things like helicopters, integrated air and missile defense systems, um, under uh, undersea warfare, radar, electronics, cyber solutions, training, logistics, all fall underneath this Rotary uh, and Mission Control. Uh, and then their final one is space. So this is all the things they're doing uh, with satellites for early warning systems, for weather detection, GPS solutions. Um, and again, all of this is primarily devoted towards uh, military and defense type activities for, um, for the good old U.S. of A. Last thing I have is the stats, unless you had something else. I have a handful of fun facts, but let's hit okay, so some here stats. Okay, uh, so here we go. So financial performance in 2022, they had a net sales of $66 billion with a B. They had $5.7 billion in net earnings. They have a backlog, backlog, James, not current log, backlog of $150 billion. That means they have orders just so sitting crazy. there waiting for people to give them $150 billion. That's um, free I saw a breakdown um, from the year before, but something like 71% of their money came from the US government, 28% yeah. from international customers, which sounds like the governments of other countries. Mm -hmm. And then like 1% or less was from like US commercial areas. Uh, they have uh, 7.8 billion free cash flow. So basically, that's like I'm guessing the CEO got that in his pocket. I'm assuming with that, <laughs> when they say free cash flow. Yeah. Uh, their stock ticker is LMT, and yesterday it closed at four hundred and sixty-seven dollars and ninety cents. So not too oh, shabby. That seems good. Um, it's interesting. Whenever you look at their history, their stock is super stable. Like oh really? It like all the stuff that's happening right now with the economy and the recession and all that sort of stuff. Like theirs is just like, yep, we're good. Well, I feel like everyone knows what they're working on given their backlog. Yeah. So makes yeah. sense. They're pretty I wonder good. If it pays a dividend. Hmm. Ooh, interesting. <laughs> Might have to do some research. Yeah. Um, so they have 116,000 employees uh, throughout the globe so over, a, over 370 different facilities. They have 13, one in Blairsville. One in Blairsville, apparently, <laughs> next to the Duncan. Um, 13,000 plus active suppliers. Um, and they have supplier, they have suppliers in over 52 countries outside the United States. I didn't know there were 52 countries outside of the United States. You know, I just I thought there was maybe seven or eight. Maybe I'm thinking continents. I don't know. <laughs> I think maybe um, that's it. Uh, their headquarters are That's scary, Luke. Are again, <laughs> it is. Their headquarters <laughs> are not in Blairsville. Fun fact: it is oh. in Bethesda, Maryland. And if you feel like calling them, you can reach them at three zero one eight nine seven six thousand. Tell them Luke sent you, and uh, 
Who knows? Maybe you'll get arrested. I don't know. <laughs> you'll have a black SUV pull up in front of you. So I, we did some really interesting research the last couple of episodes. So we were doing nuclear fusion and then we're doing like military companies. So like my Google history search is really oh, bizarre. Goodness, right? Like, remember we talked about this? Like, I feel like we are definitely on some kind of watch list of people like researching things. Like they're probably watching us based off of the things we're researching. Well, they'll probably do that. And then they're like, oh, it's James and Luke from Unprofessional Engineering. Oh, well, this makes sense now. They're good. Those guys. A <laughs> uh, oh, couple shucks. fun facts for you, Luke. Shoot. In the 90s, these are all terrible, by the way. Uh, no, one's good. In the 90s, the company was directly involved in building the Mars Climate Orbiter, whose goal was to obviously get to Mars and send back climate data along with other stuff. The one Matt uh, Damon was on, right? Uh-oh. Uh, yeah, Matt Damon was on that right. one, right. It was at the cost of $125 million, so really a cheap project. Yeah. The orbiter got lost because of the difference in measuring units. The guidance system software got confused because the Jet Propulsion Laboratory used metric units, but the engineers at Lockheed used feet and pounds. And it crashed and it burned. Oh, no check big. out our wacky units episode. Oh, that's a great call out, Luke. Um, the Iron Man suit. You know, Iron Man, you mentioned yeah. him last episode. Uh, it was He was capable of carrying 175 tons of stuff in that suit. Pretty strong. So we don't have that yet. But Lockheed Martin is working on a version called the Human Universal Load Carrier, the Hulk, H-U-L-C, and currently has the capacity to assist soldiers in carrying up to 200 pounds of equipment traveling at 10 miles per hour. So it's like an exoskeleton suit. I can carry 200 pounds in one hand. Not everyone's as strong as you. Yeah, I get that. Last but not least, this one's fantastic. The company was in a bidding war with the Russians over selling military aircraft to Thailand. The Thai government didn't have enough cheddar for the necessary payments for the aircrafts. So instead, they were like, what if we cut you a deal, Lockheed Martin? We'll give you 80,000 frozen chickens as an alternative form of payment. Wanting those Russians not to get that business, Lockheed agreed for the substitution. So part of their payment was chickens. in chickens. Unfortunately, before everything could be worked out, the current regime was overthrown and the deal fell through. Oh. But they had agreed to payment in 80,000 frozen chickens. I mean, I like chicken. So <laughs> that's all I have for you, Luke. Do you have that's anything? That's all I got, uh... too. This was a fun one. Absolutely. Hopefully you all enjoyed this and learned something about Lockheed or Martin or them together. Uh, if you have any other fun facts that we missed, any information about frozen chickens, anything like that, go ahead and email us at unprofessionalengineering at gmail.com. And until next time, see ya.